1: One of the most balanced voices when it comes to observation of what's going on in Northern Ireland would be Anne Watt from the Pivotal team, the Think Tank. Anne, good morning.
2: Good morning, Frank, how are
1: you? I'm very well, Anne. You never seem to get annoyed or frustrated when it comes to your analysis. But revenue-raising measures, they are getting closer, aren't they? And some of us are going to have to take a financial hit.
2: Well, I think it's it's very much under discussion at the minute. So people will have seen the financial package that the Secretary of State put forward before Christmas to get the executive back. And in it, I suppose it was a balance, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, a lot of new money from the UK government, but it was also saying you may need to do re- revenue raising yourselves. Now, I'm not sure where that's ended up because it seemed that the Secretary of State was saying you're only getting this money or you're only getting elements of this money if you raise more money locally. But then he seemed to go back a little bit on that earlier in the week and seemed to be saying it's over to the executive to decide what they want to do. So I think it's oh, it's up for debate at the minute. The reality is if Northern Ireland wants to pay more for public services if it wants more public services if it wants to spend more on say childcare or schools or gp services then it has to find the money somewhere so it can do that by you know delivering current services more efficiently making savings in how things are delivered at the minute transformation in public services or it can say okay we're going to ask people to pay a bit more um you know that's that's a political choice you know, politicians are there to make choices between you know spending on one thing or spending on another thing or raising taxes or not raising taxes so it's it's a political decision for our leaders now that they're back at stormont and this issue about revenue raising has always been unpopular and difficult and it's understandable people don't want, generally don't want to pay more do they? And you know I'm sure people listening to this today are are thinking I don't want to pay more, I can't pay more Um, and so it's it's not a popular thing and it's something that's always been kicked into the long grass, I think here in Northern Ireland but it may be now the decisions are now unavoidable. Would
1: people be prepared to pay more if they were going to have tangible evidence of the money being spent to improve infrastructure or improve education or improve the health service?
2: I think that's a really important question. And if you look at you know uh, public survey evidence, lots of people will say, I would pay more if I thought these services are going to improve and so that generally you know you'd get some people who would say no i believe in low taxes small governments less public services you know some people would take that political view um lots of people would however say i want good services that i can rely on for my children in their education or a health service where i know i'll get treatment and so people would say okay i'm prepared to pay for those things i think the big big problem we've got in northern Ireland at the minute is that services are in a lot of cases not delivering for people So we all know about people who are on health waiting lists for years, can't get the consultant's appointment, can't get the treatment, people who can't get a GP appointment, people who are waiting for extremely long times in emergency departments, all sorts of examples of where services aren't providing what people want at the minute. And so I think it's a very hard ask to say to people now, pay some more. When actually they're not even at the minute getting, you know, what we would say is a decent level of service in some cases.
1: Now there is a UK comparison. I think maybe it came from pivotal in relation to what households are paying, and I'm a bit misguided on this because last week on the programme. I had a representative from the Fair Rates campaign, Ray Farley, on the programme, and he was emphasising, he was talking about the rates cap, but whether or not it would be lifted in Northern Ireland, and he was arguing that there's a more favourable system for rates in London than there is in Northern Ireland, which I I was surprised by to to hear him say that, but then of course we have to factor in council tax across the water, which we did as part of the discussion and, and, and water charges, but... Going by these figures, the average household has a, a tariff of just over fifteen hundred pounds in Scotland, just over nineteen hundred in Wales, just over eighteen hundred in England, and this is in relation to council tax and water charges. Whereas in Northern Ireland, it's just over a thousand pounds. So we're like nine hundred pounds. We're, we're paying nine hundred pounds less than a Welsh than a Welsh family, but. How, are they factoring in? Are they factoring in there our rates in that one thousand and thirty six? Is that what that references to?
2: It is, yeah. So those numbers came from the Fiscal Council, which is an independent uh, uh, independent body of experts on tax and spending matters. So you can find those figures on the Fiscal Council's website if anybody's interested in looking at them. So they, what they said out there is that on average in household charges so the 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 bills that you get for your rates in northern ireland northern ireland households on average pay 1000 pounds roughly so it's 1036 pounds so that's what people pay annually and you know your listeners might sort of recognize that figure being around about the average of what they pay in england household charges are 1800 pounds so 800 pounds more in scotland they're £1,581, so £545 more in Wales. Wales has a very similar income level to Northern Ireland. In Wales, they are £900 more than they are in Northern Ireland. So we are raising less in local taxes here than in the rest of the UK. So we pay the same income tax, VAT, other taxes as the rest of the UK. That's a UK-wide system. But because of political choices here over the years, we are paying less for public services than people in England, Scotland and Wales. And you could say I think that that is perhaps not fair. Particularly I think the comparison with Wales is a very important one. Wales has a very similar income level to Northern Ireland, but we're paying much less per household in taxes. And I think that you can think about that, is that fair in the first place? But the second question then is can you really go back to the UK government and to the Treasury and say Northern Ireland needs more money when actually we're not raising what we could be raising in local taxes? And I know this is not popular, but I think there is that debate to be had.
1: So the fair rates campaigners, led by the likes of Ray, are they burying their head in the sand if they're suggesting that here in Northern Ireland we're already paying as much as we can pay or as much as we should pay?
2: I haven't seen their their numbers and, and what they're saying. I haven't I haven't seen that analysis, and I can certainly look at it afterwards. Um, I would say the the numbers that I I know about, which are the numbers from the fiscal council, show that we are paying less here per household than the, than in the rest of the UK.
1: Do you expect a rates cap to be lifted on the value of properties in Northern Ireland? Because that could be draconian for some families.
2: Well that's a that's a option at the minute and so um, there's a there's a rates cap on um, the on, on on higher value properties so people who own a, a properties at the top end of the sort of price range um they 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 don't pay you know any so I think it's three fifty thousand pounds if you if, if you Own a house at three hundred fifty thousand pounds, or you own a house at two million pounds, you pay the same rates. So you're at the minute there's a cap, which means that if you own an extremely expensive house, you don't actually pay proportionately the same rates on that. Because I think the argument is that it would become a massive sum of money, and it would seem unfair, you know, for someone who had an extremely expensive house to pay an enormous rates bill. Um, I think there's an argument there now that perhaps that should be raised. A bit, um, so that people who are living in the most expensive houses and perhaps able to pay some more should contribute more in rates. So I don't think that it would be, you know, completely removed. So people were getting rates bills of you know hundreds of thousands of pounds, but I think it could be lifted a bit so that um, you know people who have more expensive properties do pay more. And if you think about it, you know that is probably fair in taxation, that those who have more pay more, that those who have more wealth pay a bit more. So uh, I think there would be an argument made there that there could be a greater contribution from people with very expensive properties. The one thing I'd say just about that, um, Frank, is that it wouldn't raise that much money because there aren't that many you know, super expensive, super valuable properties in Northern Ireland. So it might raise you know 50 million pounds or something which is is good but 50 million is not that much when you can when you look at the whole size of the public finances here it's not it might be part of an answer to helping out with the public finances but it certainly wouldn't be
1: all of it Yeah and we have to factor in also that not everyone living in a super sized house is super wealthy the, the only wealth they may have is the actual house so therefore if they're going to have to pay maybe five times more in rates they couldn't afford to live there and then they're going to have to sell the house uh, and so on and so forth. Many people of course are super wealthy and could easily afford to pay more, more rates so it's it's up for discussion Wh- what about the, the, the water charges. We're already, we know we're already paying within the rates but the, it almost looks like as if it's inevitable, the water charges.
2: Yeah, I mean, w- water charges are the, the, the big thing I suppose where there's a difference between what we pay in Northern Ireland and what what people pay in the rest of the UK. So water charges have never been introduced here despite being discussed many times. I think the amount of money that could raise if it was introduced would be something of the order of £340 million a year, which is, you know, that is a significant number in terms, it's, it's obviously a significant number. It's a, signif- it's a big number in terms of the difference it could make to. Um, the public finances and what what you could use that for for public services, and in particular, our water infrastructure at the minute is in a really bad state. It's, it's, it's um, deteriorated over years. It's acting as a uh, the lack of proper modern infrastructure is is constraining building houses that people need to live in or business development. So we we need to find ways to finance our water infrastructure better and charging for it may be a way to do it um that would take a little while longer you can't just um you can't just decide tomorrow to introduce water charges there'd be quite a lot of propriety work work that would be needed the thing you could do more quickly is what we talked about before which would be making changes to the rates system
1: yeah, because they get to the handle the money much, much quicker. <laughs> what yeah, about exactly. university f- tuition? That's another one that's up for discussion. Is it going to become more expensive to send a child to a local university?
2: This is a, another difficult issue because, you know, we want to invest in our young people. We don't want young people to be disadvantaged because they come from a lower-income background. Um, Northern Ireland's fees are around about half the level of fees in England. But then, of course... In Scotland, Scottish students going to Scottish universities do not pay any fee. So there's a huge difference across the UK at the minute. Um, There is a crisis in higher education funding, as any uh, of the leaders from Northern Ireland's universities will tell you. And so there needs to be some way to uh, fund higher education better. And that either needs to come from the students who are getting the education or it needs to come in the form of you know government funding being increased for the higher education sector. So there, again, there needs to be a conversation about that. Um, where where is the money going to come from to sustain higher education? It can come from students or it can come from the government. Um, and again, that's a that's a political choice. Um, I know it's obviously one where there's a lot of opposition because we don't want to create a financial disincentive to young people
1: to go to university. The universities always come across as being very wealthy. We get the impression that they're totally on the pig's back. However, they would easily argue that a vibrant university is vital to the economy because the universities will say for every pound put in to a university, I think it's eight or nine pounds comes back out of the university as far as the economic framework of the country is concerned.
2: Yeah, no. Universities make a massive contribution. Um, the, I can't remember the number, but I'm sure you're right about that that figure you just said. You know, if you think about the the, the students bringing um, income and uh, spending and life to the area, the investment in young people's education, which means they are uh, more effective workers in in the future. The research and innovation that universities do is often pushing up our our, um, you know productivity and uh, meaning we've got more enterprise in the economy so yeah universities make make a huge contribution. Um, I think you might get the impression that they are wealthy but actually if you look at their their finances at the minute they are really struggling to balance costs against income which is why there is this crisis in their funding and why we do need to look at how are we funding higher education and ask some fundamental questions about that?
1: What else are they looking at? Obviously prescription charges. Is that is that is that too too small a pool to really raise much money via or should they aim for getting people to pay for the scripts?
2: There's a there's a whole long list of things they're looking at. I think personally prescription charges is a non starter simply because uh, the number of people who would be exempt from them because they're uh, older people on pensions or people on benefits would be so large that it wouldn't be worth the administration that they would be involved in in rolling that out. So I think prescription charges probably not one to look at. Um, the other things, I mean, the, the biggest, biggest ones are domestic rates, water charges, and I think that's where the conversation will go most quickly um there are also there are welfare mitigations in northern ireland where the welfare system is more generous than elsewhere in the uk and and we're we're paying for that through the block grant um i think many people would say we want to keep that in place because we want to support the most vulnerable people in society so i wouldn't have thought that they'd be uh, politicians would be looking at removing that so the big ones really are domestic rates and water charges. So those bills that people pay month to month or year to year.
1: Do you think they'll do away with the free travel?
2: Um, again, that is quite a. It's quite a small amount of money. I think it's about twenty nine million. Which you know, when I say small amount of money, obviously twenty nine million is not a small amount of money, but it is a small amount of money when you look at it in the context of the wider public finances. Um, there's a consultation about that at the minute, and I know there's a large amount of opposition because free travel particularly gives people um, it gives people who are older the ability to get out to um, to do social activities, to get to their hospital appointments, to um, you know engage with activities and whatever it is. So. Um, doing away with that would be very, very unpopular and might not be worth it for the amount of money that would be saved. Yeah, and it keeps
1: keeps cars off the roads as well because if people don't get it, they'll be back behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. There's an environmental exactly. benefit yeah. to there's, it, there's, but it's there it, there it's a small is. issue in relation to the wider the, the wider picture. So many of yeah. these are nettles that our politicians have never never grasped. Will they show their hand as I mentioned earlier this side of a general election? Because mm-hmm. the, every word they speak on it, <laughs> every word they speak, it's a it's a bit like transforming the health service. It's it can be construed as a vote loser. Yes, and I noticed
2: when. Um, when Jeffrey Donaldson was asked about this in a radio interview earlier in the week, he was asked, "Will you do revenue raising and will you do health service transformation?" And he definitely avoided saying he would do revenue raising and he talked about doing health service transformation. So you can see already our politicians are very unwilling to to grasp this issue because it's you know so politically. Um, unpopular and they are heading into a a, a, gen- a general election where there'll be some very tightly fought seats so you know in my in my view as an independent public policy think tank a lot of these decisions whether it's actually about health service transformation or revenue raising a lot of them have just been avoided in the past and we can't go on avoiding them avoiding them you know our our public services are far far below the standard that people need or expect um, we need to start making some of those difficult choices, our politicians need to front up to, the, to those decisions um, and I think maybe on health service transformation they're, they're getting towards being in that position where they realise that they, they do need to think about where services are delivered and setting up more centres of excellence on revenue rais- raising you know, it may come down to if they want to get more from the UK government through the block grants, they they have to show some commitment themselves to raising more locally. I should say as well, Frank, that you know, if you do increase rates, for example, or bring in water charges, it should always be done in a way that takes into account some people are really struggling with their um, household costs. You know, some people are really struggling with the higher cost of living. And so there should always be exemptions for people on, on lower incomes so that we're not, you know, really squeezing people who are already struggling.
1: Yeah, because we've got to think of the working poor, don't we? There are a lot of people who can't work and who, for whatever reason, are unable to turn a pound and who are completely deserving of the assistance they get. But there are so many people who maybe be, so many families, where there may be two people working in lowly paid jobs, but they're putting in every right. hour, God sends, and they get penalised as well for the hard work that they do.
2: Yeah, that's right. And that's something which I think has, has developed as a a feature of our economy in maybe the last 20 years or so that it's not just people who are not working who have very low incomes. It's actually people who are working and working hard and potentially working, um, you know, a household with two earners, and they are really struggling. Um, and so, yes, we have to keep all of that in in, in mind as well when we're making these decisions.
1: Can you say protests? Are you expecting, you know, banners being unfurled and people, you know, walking through city centres as decisions are made over the next year or so?
2: Potentially, yeah. Um, I think these are these things are unpopular, and I think one of the, the key... The, the big problem for Northern Ireland at the minute is people are not getting the public services that they want and need and, and, and deserve. So it would be understandable if there was really strong opposition to paying more into the public finances when actually you can't get a GP appointment or your elderly relative is waiting for... 24 hours in an emergency department or you can't get a domiciliary care package and you know you have got somebody who's providing a huge amount of unpaid care because because there's no social care package for them you know if people aren't getting the services that they want then they're going to be reluctant to um, dip into their wallets and pay more
1: this is very true. And thank you very much for your very balanced analysis. Again, thank you indeed. Uh, Anne Watt from the Pivotal uh, Think Tank at Half Nine here on
0: U105. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 41. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?